0: Greetings, it's Terri at Cottage in the Court. What an amazing time of year. Today is one of those days where the weather is absolutely perfect, almost no matter where you are. I spent a lot of time this week thinking about being present. What does it mean to be present in the garden? What does it mean to be present in in life. When we are focused on being present, we realize the gifts that are all around us, particularly the gifts from nature. I wrote about this on my blog this past week. Let it be. Let the garden be. Just pause for a moment and really absorb the energy from your garden do you have things that are blooming do you have things that will bloom later on do you need more bulbs what do you need to enhance what do you not need to remove and how can we work in partnership with nature the only thing I could come up with was let it be Reminds me of a Beatles song, right? Well, I took a little time to speak with Edwina Van Gogh. Now, I heard about her when I listened to a Garden Conservancy webinar. If you're not a member of the Garden Conservancy, you need to join. The programming that they have offered while we have been practicing unintentional pausing have been phenomenal. In the meantime, I wanted to introduce you to Edwina and hear about Two, Three, Four Birds. Good morning, Edwina Von Gall. It is a pleasure having you on my podcast today. How are you doing?
1: Actually, doing really well. I've got my (laughs) card.
0: What is the temperature like where you are? Because you're not in the DMV. You are in upstate New York?
1: I am. Uh, okay. Well, no, actually, I'm on eastern Long Island, which is outstate New York, I guess you'd say.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. Is, has fall arrived yet?
1: Uh, you know, it did, and then it left again. Today is fairly warm. Today, but today's like, perfect. You know, it's just that ideal temperature where you don't need to put an extra layer on.
0: Oh, Wow. So tell us, who are you? Why, why do we need to hear you in our heads as we embrace nature?
1: Well, at the risk of sounding very crystals and rainbows, I guess, I, I'm kind of the voice of nature. I, I don't know how I got that way, really. I was, I was raised in upstate New York
0: mm-hmm. and
1: my grandmother was in the garden club. My mom was in the garden club. My dad grew vegetables. And so I was an indentured servant as a gardener, you know, kid, weeding and, you know, and, and I, no, no thought in my mind that this would be something that I would do as by choice and, mm-hmm. and make it a career. So I didn't start out that way, but I was always interested in science and still am. Mm-hmm. And so um, a lot of my work is very, is science-based. I love the rationale mm-hmm. that, that both nature and science have because they're one and the same basically. Mm-hmm. And the wonderful fact that all of the things that we kind of guessed or that your gut told you might be right, like the, the importance of soil and the, and, the, and the microbiome, which didn't have a name. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's science, you know. So science keeps opening doors of discovery for us. It's not shutting them. Science is not anti-nature. It's helping us get ever deeper and closer and and understand better. And Mm -hmm. and so that's what I'm trying to do is to bring that amazing world to people so that when they walk out in their yards, they're seeing something they never saw before.
0: And what perfect timing with all the new gardeners that we have due to our unintentional period of pausing. Yes. But let's back up a minute. What would you say is the project that you did? Because you're you're semi-retired now, right? Mm-hmm. What was your the project that really just still wows you in your head?
1: You mean in terms of of landscape design as a professional yes. landscape designer? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's what I'm doing right now, actually. (laughs) I think so. I'm working for a couple, and they have a large piece of land, which had been pasture, and they wanted to make it environmentally restored. And so they have really given me the opportunity to do the things that all through my career, I kind of got to do in little bits and pieces, Mm -hmm. we're now doing as a comprehensive thing. And luckily, happily, they do have the resource to really go for it. Right. So, for instance, I said, well, we're going to take this place that's just kind of one, it's a lot of fescue, you know, so it's not, it's not a native grass, not doing a lot of ecosystem service, and we're going to make it explode with life. So why don't we see what, why don't we look at what, how much life is here now? Let's get a baseline. Let's get a baseline survey and then test and then continue. So we're engaging a community of scientists, mm. it's lovely for them to yeah. identify everything on the property. And then we will continue to identify on a regular basis mm-hmm. and watch the populations as they grow. So what effect has our like rewilding or whatever you want to call it, our creation of this meadow, we built a pond, we're doing all these things that, that, are, that provide habitat mm-hmm. and provide the plants that insects and animals need. And then we're going to see who shows up.
0: How innovative that you're not stripping the land to put something back in that wasn't there in the first place, you know?
1: Yeah, and luckily this area, there's a lot of information in everywhere, Mm -hmm. a lot more information all the time about what was there traditionally, so we know what we should focus on.
0: Right, right. Just so many new, so many new gardeners are like, well, you know, I just bought this house and I don't know what's here, so you know, I just want to take everything out and see. And I'm like, oh, don't, you don't want to do that. You want, Why don't you see what's there first? So yeah. you're doing it nature's way, so to speak. Now, is that what made you come up with the projects that you've had? Tell us about your projects that you've got and that you're trying to promote, particularly this fall.
1: Well, um, they're all, all of my clients that I, the, the few that I still have um, are, are, they they, they don't hire me, they know what they're getting into, which means that they're going to get largely native plants. Um, And so I can, we can get back to that, but I'm starting this thing called two thirds for the birds in which I ask everybody to provide at least two thirds of their property over time. That's their goal, Mm -hmm. don't rip anything out, just keep adding. But If, if two out of every three plants you plant could be native, then we can turn the bird loss around. So that's what I'm telling people they will be getting, and we do not use chemicals. And everything possible is about right plant, right place. So obviously if a plant evolved there, mm-hmm. it's gonna be happy without watering, without chemicals, without a lot of pruning, and just and and given the right amount of space and the right kind of context. Mm-hmm. It's about a lot about context and perception. Like, what are you expecting? And Mm -hmm. um, if you design a landscape that's very rigid, then anything in it that isn't rigid is going to look messy. Mm -hmm. So you got to, you got to, I I suggest for people, for landscape design, I call it, copy that. So (laughs) go out into your area, find a place that you think is beautiful, that's natural, that just happened. Like, you go to your local nature trails and wherever you can go. Mm-hmm. and to a preserved area but one that isn't overwhelmed with invasives obviously Right. and then take a picture look at something and say that is a moment take a picture and copy it mm-hmm. it, it happened all by itself mm-hmm. in your place how much effort is it going to take you to do that the, the big effort is patience mm-hmm. but you know patience becomes something else like are you when you give birth, like at every stage in your life of your child, you're thinking, this is the perfect moment. Don't. I want to treasure this moment. Can people feel that way about their gardens? They're, they're, of course, it's not, they're not going to stay that way. Of course, they have an adult life ahead of them, where they will be the big oak tree, or they will be whatever the flowering, whatever, you know, but treasure it while it's young. Right. And that in your role in making that happen.
0: Mm-hmm. That's being a true steward of the land.
1: Well, and I have to just point out that I'm trying to change that terminology. The oh. word steward implies a, an imbalance of power. And uh-huh. I think that nature is maybe more powerful than us. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And that's a little presumptuous to to sort of say that that nature, like that, that to me, the word steward implies like that nature needs us. Mm -hmm. And I'm by no means saying that we should just step back because that's another problem in the land, um, you know, land caring world or in land acquisitions and, and protection that Mm -hmm. people just put it aside and we've learned better now that you can't just do that because of invasives. We've already had an impact. So to me, that's what gardening does for me is Mm -hmm. that it's a constant learning process of what is my role? Just Mm -hmm. just how do I respond to the fact that I exist in this place? Mm -hmm. So how do I, so I call it land sharing instead of land stewardship, because basically I'm sharing this place with nature, and um, how can I do the best job of sharing?
0: Wow, that that is a, a, I never thought of it that way, you know, and I felt as a steward I was helping the earth, but you're right, the earth was here before me, so I just need to coexist with it, right. part, partner with it, so to speak.
1: Right. And so rather than thinking about like we're going to fix the earth, we're going to fix what we are doing mm-hmm. because basically we're not saving the earth. We're, we're, we have to save this, our species. The earth is going to be fine mm-hmm. but we are not on this trajectory.
0: Right.
1: So we all have to practice and if everyone practices that at home mm-hmm. it all adds up. Doug Tallamy calls it the homegrown national park Mm-hmm. <laughs> and basically, you know, people like s- smash and kill and shape and clip and put all kinds of energy into making their backyard some kind of fixed in time moment. Mm-hmm. And then they spend more m- energy and money and fossil fuel to go out and see nature in its natural state. Well, what if that was happening right in your backyard? Mm-hmm. Not that you don't want to go and see it in its grander version, but you can have it every single day
0: true. Yeah. That's true. And I think d- during this period of unintentional pausing that we're in, it's a great opportunity to really look at your landscape and just let it be. Yeah. Just let it be and see what happens. I mean, it's been some interesting things that have popped up in my garden, yeah. uh, and I'm very natural. I don't use any chemicals at all. And some of the things that have popped up have been absolutely amazing. Really? Yeah, and, and they're beautiful. Uh, some things I've had to uh, uh, put on a plant app on my phone to try to identify what it is, because I've always been working. I've never been here to really watch it grow. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's, that's, it, it is. I mean, this is the silver lining of COVID and it's a moment i and then i'm trying to think oh gosh you know i have to take advantage of this and i say no, slow down <laughs> it'll all all in due time um, but it is it is it is a moment that i do hope we can all capture and not slide back and not race back COVID's not letting us race back
0: no it's not
1: <laughs> so we're not racing back but it's some but we're wanting to race back and that i think but not entirely there there are vestiges of this pause that i think we can hopefully really fully incorporate into our lives mm-hmm. and 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 spend it and find a way to care for your property that actually is less tiring and mm-hmm. and less resource intensive and more joyful and 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 a lot more rewarding in yeah. every way cuz you, not only have you kind of like got something amazing and you can walk out every morning and see things happening, you know, discover plants popping up, but deep in your heart, you know, I'm actually doing a good thing. Mm-hmm. This is a deeply good thing. I'm doing mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, so many people are like, Oh, you know, I've got to prune that. I've got to do that. I, I let my seeds drop. I, I, I definitely catch my weeds on the edges, but then other things, it's like, there's a reason that that, landed there. There's a reason that that shrub wants to go to seed. Maybe I won't deadhead everything, and I'll let it go back into nature. And so far, my garden is very lush. My neighbors call it a park because I am not going to be making shrubs into squares. I let nature have her way.
1: It's as yeah to my mind what, why doesn't nature play a role here because she like she started this game like, Thank she you. <laughs> and, and yeah and, and then that's where to my mind like the more you know then you can start making informed decisions about well actually i don't want this plant to go to seed because it's going to be all over the place right and i don't really want it all over the place i want right. it here right or Things, or I'm going to take these seeds and I'm going to move them where I want them.
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: so few plants get to actually grow from seed anymore in the mm-hmm. place where they fell, in the place they want to be. Did you know that um, Stamets, oh, it's Paul Stamets, the, the, the mushroom guy? Yes. He has determined that through the mycorrhizal fungal network, mm-hmm. trees recognize their young. Isn't that amazing? Ooh! Yeah, and so, but when you think that you bought a tree from like here, we are on the East Coast, and you bought some potted thing from California, it's all alone. Um, like it's kind yeah. of family.
0: Yeah. Oh my! It's like it's like an orphan. <laughs>
1: totally. Not even. And not only that, it's an orphan with no community. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so and when people plant plants so that i'm not saying they shouldn't i'm just saying that it's just it's just it's one of these interesting things that you know you think about when you're gardening mm-hmm. once you have like somebody plants the seed of an idea and then suddenly it's like my whole day i'm looking at different things and saying oh yeah this is really because when people plant gardens now even the best of intentions let's say you're planting a, a, a rain garden or a pollinator garden so you put in like you buy the biggest plants you can buy, but you can only afford 10 of them. So yeah. then you make your space and you spread them out and then you put mulch heavily all in between. Mm-hmm. Well, mulch is a growth inhibitor. So what's it gonna say about anything ever happening? Now those plants are social. Mm-hmm. They wanna touch. They, that feeling of the wind blowing, the roots interacting, that's what they do. Look at any natural system there are no heavily mulched spaces between them. Thank you. So, like, I'm anti-mulch. <laughs> <to> yes, <try laughs> <guess> by now. <laughs> yes, yes. You can put some compost down if you have some nice compost, because that'll just the sooner it breaks down, the better. Mm-hmm. But most wildflowers don't want rich soil because they're opportunistic pioneer species. So you don't really need to enrich the soil if you plant something that's right for the soil you've got, mm-hmm. and and then plant them close together, mm-hmm. or or seed something in between that'll hold the space. Mm-hmm. Like Claudia West's book called "Yes, Coast Wild yes. World. That's What She Does." Buy tiny plants and lots of them. Yeah. And 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 go with that. Mm-hmm. You know, just fill that space or make the garden much smaller. Mm-hmm. And so instead of like having these dead spaces with rings around all your plants, just fill up a small space and keep increasing it as you can afford more plants.
0: Right.
1: There's a wonderful new app called Lawns to Wildflowers. Oh. And .org, I think mm-hmm. it is. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really for, um, uh, for people who are starting out and mm-hmm. they teach you how to, like they said, they suggest that you smother a six by six patch of lawn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they teach you how to identify insects, pollinators. And you go through a course that's pretty simple. And then you get like, you pa- when you pass the course, when you get all the questions right, you can become one of their official citizen science identifiers. And they give you lists of plants for where you live and what to plant in your six by six space. And you identify it and you join this whole national citizen science network, helping them to track pollinators. That's cool. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. yeah. There's so many great things happening and that's what with Two Thirds for the Birds when we launched it this fall. It's really aimed at the landscape design professional community because I feel that nobody with a conscience could really plant another field, design, or plant another food desert. That's just, in today's world, that's that's really, like, that's, that makes you like a, a dinosaur going extinct. You know, right. like, like and we influence clients, and, and we influence what gets published, and we influence what everybody thinks of as a good garden. Mm-hmm. So we can do this. Like, if we all make a commitment that two out of every three plants moving forward is going to be native, take out the invasives, um, mm-hmm. and no chemicals, that's, that's what I call the garden gateway. It's like mm-hmm. the gateway drug. Once mm-hmm. you go through that gate, you're not looking back and you'll just deepen your practice like and so that our website will give people all these tools like like lawns to wildflowers and all these other tools that are out there that are incredible Mm -hmm. to help people
0: so will the homeowner be able to tap into this or does it have to go oh okay great oh no no barriers
1: i call it leaderless and limitless there's i don't my name will not be on it anywhere I don't want anybody to feel it's owned by anyone. It's everyone's. We're, it's a community of people who have made, who have just said, I can't not do this. I have to do this.
0: Oh, how gracious.
1: That's wonderful. And, and perfect no, no timing. And no fundraising. There is not a donate button. You will never get an email asking you to send money.
0: Wait a minute, repeat that one, because that's what everyone's doing these days. That is amazing. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, I've been really lucky because I also run the Perfect Earth Project, right? So the Perfect Earth Project is one of, and we've been, we've done well enough with our fundraising, and we keep, we have very, like, I have no staff, so I have some people who help, and so we can do this. This is our gift, and I can continue to raise the money to make sure that the website will be maintained. But ultimately, we will be asking everyone who's part of this community to do their bit. So they will be asked to contribute resources for the toolbox. Uh-huh. They will be asked to, to contribute projects that they have done, so people can see how it looks and what they have done, and share their successes and share their failures. That's important.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of gardeners don't share their failures, and that's important.
1: And you know, non don't share their failures.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so this is a really safe zone because there is no fundraising, there are no donors, there are there is no judgment. You share, we we are so there's a, so any member of the community, all you do is sign the list and say I'm doing this, mm-hmm. then can create an event because we're because we're all separate now. We don't have that gardener dialogue going. So we want to recreate that so that people can, anyone can say, sign in and say, create an event, and you'll fill out a form It says, I want it to be about this conversation, and this is the moderator, and these are the panelists, or, or these are the, you know, the main participants, these are the people who have knowledge about this subject, or these are the people who have questions about this subject. And then anybody can sign up, If this is the time, this is the date, we'll vet it to make sure it's appropriate.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, That is a perfect way to give back to community and to build community at the same time.
1: I'm glad you think so, because, you know, this is all just like, we're here in this one little place with COVID all around, and we're saying, oh, we can do this, (laughs) having no idea whether the rest of the world agrees with us. But. Right,
0: and and what made you come up with this? Because this is phenomenal.
1: Well, it was it was sparked originally by the news that um, we have lost about a third of our bird population since the 1970s, mm-hmm. and so the North America alone has lost approximately three billion birds. And. Wow. And then uh, I'm often on the lecture circuit, and got to know Doug Talamy, mm-hmm. who is also very busy on the lecture circuit. And he mm-hmm. did the research that said that. So he's an entomologist, and he just wrote an amazing book called Nature's Best Hope. Oh yes. Which is the follow up to his backyard habitat, bringing it all, mm-hmm. whatever is coming at home. Um, but. Anyway, so his research now, he's really done the research like for 10 years since he wrote that first book, he and his grad students have been measuring things. So mm-hmm. they found that songbird populations in backyards need 70% native plants in their range in order to maintain a stable population. Wow. They also learned things that like a chickadee needs six to 9,000 caterpillars to raise one nest of young and chickadees raise two or three nests of young in a season, which they need to do in order to maintain a stable population. Mm-hmm. Almost no landscapes provide that kind of resource. When people see a caterpillar on a tree, what do they do? Hmm. <laughs> you guessed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they call the exterminator. Well, yep. the yep. fact is that by midsummer, a tree, the leaves have done their job for a tree all this to sugars that a tree needs to make it through the winter and leaf out next spring that's done At, from that point on those leaves are salad bar for the rest of the world that is the tree's offering and no matter like so right now like the fall webworm is out and people mm-hmm. are oh my god the fall. no that is that is not harming anything is that if those are food for the birds Mm-hmm. If you want to, you can poke a little hole in the web so the birds can get to them because the web kind of like gums up and protects the w- worms. But if it, mm-hmm. it bothers you, but let nature be, you know, they don't do any harm at all. And so when you, if you're called a spray guy, he's going to spray those things.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and when you look, if you, I, I do a lot of road trips. When you look along the highways and byways, you see the webs and you know, good and well, no one is out there spraying. And the next year, the trees have leafed out again. Amazing.
1: The trees are just fine. And even tent caterpillars, which attack trees when the leaves are young, if you do not remove them, what, same thing again, you can poke holes in the web so the birds can more easily access the caterpillars. Mm-hmm. But Doug convinced me of this because I one year I had a really big infestation in my cherry trees. I have these native cherries that I've planted all around. Mm-hmm. And I was worried and I was poking at him and <laughs> knocking him out and he said leave him alone and sure enough one of the trees in particular got completely defoliated it totally relieved out just fine but I then got yellow bill cuckoos which are the birds that particularly feed on fuzzy caterpillars and you know that was just my gift you
0: know? yeah yeah and that's how we have to start looking at nature gives us so many gifts but you have to be present to receive them. Yeah.
1: And, and, and yeah, you do have to do a little homework. But if you compare, like checking in with iNaturalist, which is a wonderful web app that mm-hmm. you can use to identify everything in your yard and keep track of it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if you put the amount of time you would put into mowing a huge lawn or clipping or sp- when you're pruning. When you're pruning, those are wounds. Mm-hmm. Every cut is a wound. Mm-hmm. And people think that by, retur- by removing deadwood, they're doing a tree a favor. And actually, that deadwood is a habitat. Mm-hmm. And there are bugs that live in deadwood that's on a tree that are different from the deadwood that's on the ground. So mm-hmm. that's an endangered habitat. In a tidy landscape, so many habitats have been removed. Mm-hmm. So if we can take the amount of time we would spend tidying obsessively and Mm -hmm. mowing and treating and clipping and put it into learning and observing bingo bingo yes (laughs) yeah it's and and get your kids involved and and then your your joy just spreads around yeah
0: and when you think about it especially people right now that are home with their children a great science project to go into your own backyard not get in the car but identify the birds notice the butterflies notice those tent caterpillars you know little boys have them poke a hole in it because that's going to be fun for them some little girls too that would have been me <laughs> but it's like why not you know yeah climb the tree it, yeah. it's, it's okay it's okay to touch and embrace nature
1: it's totally okay and i love bringing kids here and showing them the things that they wouldn't un- ordinarily have seen and get them to stand very still my grandson one of the ways we're lo- like getting to look at these is oh so, well he loves spiders but and i so like looking at well spiders have eight legs and so that if you sit really still and watch it and any insect do they have eight legs or do they have six mm-hmm. and and just starting with that because you can't tell unless you sit really still and you can't be swatting them around, you know, right. And you just have to sit and, and then you can, can count the legs yeah. and, and then you can identify different families and start separating them into different kind of insect families. And I have a long way to go on that myself. Yeah. And so I'm learning while he's learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things just to back up, I am not anti-lawn because, mm-hmm. you know, people say, oh, you hate lawns. And I say, no. Lawn is an individual choice. Mm-hmm. If you use it, it, then it's a resource that is well spent, right? Right. It's just out there to tell the neighbors that you live a clean life or something, you know, whatever. That you're mm-hmm. in control, um, and then that is not a use, a great use of resource. Mm-hmm. And why not show the neighbors you you have you can grow flowers, you know, wildflowers? Right. But if you if you if you have kids and they play ball, then you have that side lawn. It's right. the lawn you use, right? Because it's like what whether it's giving back to you what you need, and right. if it isn't, if it's just sitting out there, reconsider.
0: Yeah, I, I I live in a cul-de-sac, so there is a green oval in the front. So the kids do play on that. My kids are grown and gone, but the neighborhood children. They'll come and they'll play on that. But when I purchased my house, I remembered in my last house that had Megalon, what did we do with that? We really didn't do much with it except cut it. And now as a single woman, I'm like, I'm not cutting grass. I'm going to create a garden that is full of life and diversity and gives me joy and is low maintenance. My garden is very low maintenance. I've not watered in 16 years. Wow. And yes, and it's natives and it, it everything has its time and its place. And I love it. But many people are like, oh, when they see the garden, they're like, oh, you must spend a lot of time out there. Must spend a lot of time watching butterflies. I've money to identify bees, but I weed my edges. Everything else is like, have your way. I'm not gonna steal your thunder, nature, because I love you.
1: <laughs> that, that is so beautiful. And, and that's like, it's my question about why do people build barriers? So they like, they're instantly saying, oh, I can't do that because it takes too much time. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, no, it doesn't. But you don't, you still probably don't get the impression that they're gonna run home and replace their lawn. No. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. So how do you know that, I, I guess if I just keep talking, Um, uh, you know, it it is that question of what will it take ultimately? When will, what will, when will I land the exact right word into someone's mind that will, they will suddenly the light bulb goes on and they change their lawn into even a small patch of wildflowers or one native shrub that produces one amazing bloom and and a fruit that brings a Baltimore Oriole or some amazing bird.
0: Mm-hmm. Now you're you're coming to Maryland soon, right? You'll be speaking at, um, or maybe maybe not coming. Will it be virtual?
1: Yeah, yeah I'm going to uh, do a talk for Ladue. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, I think it's October. hmm. Yeah, I mean everything is so up in the air now that right. all of my speaking engagements were completely rescheduled and re digger and so i'm not really sure of the dates anymore but they're all going to be from right here <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so how would we find out about your movement for the birds 234 how would how can we find out about that
1: so you can write to me It's said at 234birds.org mm-hmm. and i will put you on the list to be notified when the um when the website goes up or you can hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll just have a holding page that won't tell you much, but um, with a link to where you can sign up to be notified. So either way, just write to me or check back with me. Meanwhile, also anytime, go to perfectearthproject.org for information about how to have a garden that is toxic free, what to do. That too is in the middle of being renovated that I hope will be up even sooner all well, because it's it's now it's kind of not enough mm-hmm. and it, it's not as um easy to navigate as we want it to be because we've learned so much since we first made that that um the website so that uh-huh. will be sooner and it will have a link on it to two-thirds
0: okay okay great great because I, I kind of played around with that this past week and it was like oh um so I realized there was so much more stuff coming Um, And that's why this was a perfect time to speak with you today. Thank you. Well, I am very, 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 very excited to have uh, heard you speak on the Garden Conservancy on their webinar, elated that you agreed to come to the podcast today. And I'm signing up because I'm all about the birds. I'm all about nature. And I thank you for partnering with the earth and enlightening us on ways that we need to partner with the earth as well
1: thank you jerry it's a delight and an honor
0: all right well un- until the website is up i'll have you on my mind and i'll be looking at you on your instagram page too. Okay.
1: first opportunity i sure hope you'll come for a visit
0: oh i would love to don't have car we'll travel right. <laughs> have a wonderful afternoon okay Thanks
1: so much bye
0: I truly must say I personally am enjoying meeting new horticultural friends along this podcast journey. I hope you enjoyed Edwina's words. I hope that you will sign up two, three for the birds. And if you're interested in finding out more about nature, bringing it in, including it in your landscape. The uh, Penn State Extension has a free series that's coming up, three parts, and they're in the evening. So yes, you can garden all day and then sit down and listen to this presentation. Uh, Wendy Brister, another Garden com member, and Doug Tallamy will be hosting three sessions The name of the program is called Turning the Tide, a practical guide for bringing nature home. Now, if you're a Doug Tallamy fan like myself, you're gonna have a great time. I'd like to thank the Lancaster County Master Gardeners and the Community Conservation Committee of Lancaster and York Counties for helping bring this informative program to the public arena. That being said, I wanted to share a poem. This poem is by Frank J. Baker. If I was a bird, I would fly far and wide. I would journey to places my life may not take me. I would chart the uncharted and live without borders. If only... I could see this life can belong to me. The bird is merely a materialization, a crippling justification for living a life lacking what I crave. For this life can be mine and yours with four simple words. I am a bird. Don't forget to follow me at Cottage in the Court that's my website at Cottage in Court Instagram and Twitter and also on my collaborative podcast with Peggy Riccio Gardens and Plants. Most importantly, let's continue to embrace nature She's there for us. We should be there for her.